0: a wrestling talk from the four corners of parts unknown this is that wrestling podcast welcome to that wrestling podcast i am jason Marchuka and uh finally recovered from the wrestlemania hangover uh but first you know what it is
1: what are you wearing what are you wearing what are you wearing today today what are you wearing? What are you
0: wearing? What are you wearing today? The weekly check-in on what we are wearing because, you know, it's a pro wrestling podcast. Pro wrestling shirts are mandatory. It is What Are You Wearing? America's favorite podcast segment. We'll start with Brian
2: Christie. What are you uh, wearing this week? I'm wearing something in honor of you and, and something you uh, just received recently. I'm wearing the Mr. Perfect Oh, okay. Throwback, like it's like newspaper comic strip, and it oh. lists all his uh, credentials and everything. And I'm uh, I'm doing that as a nod to you, and you can tell the people uh, why I'm saying that.
0: So, coming up in the next few weeks, uh, we've got a new TWP Extra YouTube series called Brews Next. Pro wrestling and beer are great tag team. So, what we're gonna do is that we're gonna find beers from all over the country that are somewhat wrestling-related, and then discuss. Now, coming up, uh, I have found Mr. Perfect IPA from Local Brewing Company in San Francisco, California. And, uh, yeah, so Mr. Perfect, uh, great connection to my beer. And I'm holding off on drinking it and tasting it and trying it for the first time until we are rolling cameras on
1: brews next. Kevin, what are you wearing this week? Uh, I am wearing... He's lost. I wish it was a, a milk carton with his face <laughs> up, on it, to be honest. But I'm wearing uh, one of the Aleister Black's uh, kind of scary, doubly, uh, witchcrafty type shirts. Uh, I He's been lost for a long time. So uh, before the show, I did a little voodoo. So maybe he'll uh, uh, make his on-screen appearance back on the main roster.
0: Well, there are reports they are filming vignettes for his comeback. So hopefully that will be sooner. Then later, I decided to break out the vintage TNA Main Event Mafia T-shirt. Now, I've talked about it before. Boxes and boxes of wrestling T-shirts in my storage. This one, actually hanging up in my closet. So I do wear this pretty regularly. And Joe, what are you wearing? Let's wrap up the segment. Uh, I am wearing the
3: Destruction in the Clutch Samoa Joe, 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 Joe shirt. Uh, it's kind of timely for this week, I must say. Did
0: you buy that because your name is
3: Joe? Uh, that was one of the reasons, yes. Uh, my wife and I do, uh, we would go down to Disney World for 5Ks, like the uh, races down there. Okay. And everyone's like encouraged to dress up Disney. I always wear a wrestling shirt at those races. So okay. I, I went Macho Man one year, uh, NWO the next year, and I wanted something new so she could find me. So I got this, Joe, 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 because I'm usually waiting at the finish line until she can
2: cross. Oh, uh, okay. You don't I don't even need me. a name tag; it's already right I don't even shirt. need
3: a name tag. It's like, who's
2: that no. guy? Hello, my name is
0: Joe, Joe, <laughs> Joe. If you are wearing a pro wrestling t shirt, uh, use the hashtag TWP shirt on social media and let us know. Because as I always say, if you're listening to this podcast, there is a 99.6 percent chance you are wearing. A pro wrestling t shirt. Now, the first two weeks of the show, we haven't really got into the news. You know, week one was our intro, week two was about WrestleMania. Of course, the uh, 2.5 episode was the WrestleMania recap. And finally, we can talk about pro wrestling news and some big news dropped today. It is April the 15th, 2021. But let's go back one year, April 15th. 2020 the wwe released the following talent kurt angle rusev drake maverick zach Ryder, kurt hawkins carl anderson luke gallows heath slater eric rowan eric young sarah logan no way jose uh, i can't believe it's been a year Uh, mike and maria (laughs) Canelo. no way (laughs) no way ec3 aiden english leo rush primo and epico Fast forward one year till today or yesterday, depending when you're listening to this, uh, the real WrestleMania backlash has happened. They have released more people. Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Vicky James, Chelsea Green, Tucker, Kalisto, Bo Dallas, Mojo Raleigh, Wesley Blake, and the big surprise, Samoa Joe. Now, they used to make these cuts every year after Mania. And I do believe last year was the first time in a few years that they made that post-WrestleMania cut. Doing it this year is kind of weird because they've made three different billion-dollar rights packages deal. They are making a lot of money. Stock is going up, but I feel like these releases are, you know, I guess a way of saving money. A lot of these talents weren't doing anything. In fact, um, were any of them on WrestleMania?
2: And I'm not talking about... Billy Billy Kay was.
0: Okay, in the uh, gentleman's uh,
2: Commentary at Mania, of course. Yes. Okay. Night one, um, not night two. Oh, and, he wasn't on night two? Oh, I didn't uh, catch that.
0: Maybe he had pneumonia. Maybe. <laughs> from night one. And <laughs> Billy Kay, of course, her and Mandy Rose have that asterisk next to their uh, win in the tag team tur- turmoil. Uh, and they did get their uh, tag team registration turned in 13 minutes late. But it was Carmella, Let's, not uh, uh Andy well, Rose. same thing. Same thing. Um we'll start with uh the cuts. Joe, um well, well no, we'll start with the the big one, Samoa Joe. And we'll start with you, Joe.
3: Uh I was really surprised uh because I knew like they were taking them off of commentary, and I just assumed that he was going to go to nxt that's what i was like hoping to happen he would go to nxt and face off against cross that's what like what i was hoping to do because even like tuesday on nxt uh cross's promo was like you know anyone in the back blah 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 i'm better than you just destruction that's when i was expecting to hear the like samoa joe's theme but it didn't happen so i was i was very surprised that they got rid of someone who was just so versatile in everything he did. He could do commentary. He could do promos. He could do ring work. He didn't have to be the champ to be over. I didn't get it.
0: Yeah. The promo with him and Brock Lesnar. Holy shit. I was watching some. I think I sent that one to you guys. Uh, and there's a few other ones that have been popping up on Twitter today. Stuff he did with AJ and his, and his wife, Wendy, um, just so many great Samoa Joe promos. Now, Brian, uh, when i sent some of these out today uh what did you think um you know like i said they hadn't done this they did it last year but they hadn't done it for a few years prior to that thoughts on the
2: on the cuts well it's i mean it's disappointing when you cite the the business that they've made they just went to peacock for a billion dollars i think over four years so it's it's hard to fathom on the other hand you kind of see that yeah a lot of these people just aren't getting any tv time and they're underutilized. So the, the, certainly we all recognize that WWE's roster is bloated, um, that they just can't find spots for some of these talented people. So I think it, it's almost a, a 50-50 with who got released as far as surprise. Um, guys like Wesley Blake and Tucker, not a surprise. Not Hadn't really had much of a track record. Samoa Joe is a shocker for all those reasons you mentioned, Joe. I was really hoping – Um, he was coming off a concussion. I was hoping that when he got removed from raw announcing that he'd be coming back. Um, I also know he had a wellness policy thing. So maybe some other factors that we don't know about, um, made him with that decision, that one. And, and Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, Billy has been killing it in her resume gimmick this last (laughs) couple of months. And there's nothing that irritates me more than when a tag team breaks up and there's no direction for why they broke up and what they're doing next. It really bothers me. And the Iconics, while they weren't amazing wrestlers, they had a great character. They worked so well together and playing off each other in promos. And they split for really no reason. And it's sad that it's come to an end. But I guess on the plus side, both Billy and Peyton got released so they can probably take their act together at another another territory, as they'd say back in the day.
1: And Kevin, you want to wrap this up? Definitely. I think there's, as, as Brian touched base on, I would say there's different tiers in the releases. I would say the top three in order, easiest way to get a job, Smojo, Joe, Peyton Royce, and then Billy Kay. And then uh, there's a far, far gap. I thought Chelsea Green was was somewhat surprising, but I know she got injured and, and she didn't flourish as much as she did with her, her crazy persona, you know, in impact. So she, she still has a future. Uh, some of the others, you know, Mojo, uh, Kalisto. Uh, uh, yeah, as you said, uh, Wesley Blake, you know.
0: He's forgotten now.
1: <laughs> but like, will they have jobs? Yeah, they're going to be doing something. Maybe not in in one of like the big five or, or so, you know, around the world wrestling. I think
0: this is good for everybody that got cut. Now think about it. The indies are starting to open up. They're starting to be shows everywhere. So, like, they got the WWE rub so they can up their rates, get some indie bookings, and then go from there until they figure out if they want to sign a contract with uh, the next company. Now, what I want to happen is the women, um, Mickey James, Chelsea Green, Peyton Royce, and Billy Kay, to form a female version of the NWO and go to different territories wreck shit up and and do that. I think that would be a fun uh, story for a while and their name should be I don't know why every time I see like a female women a women's tag team form I want them to be called the minx. M I N X. I think it's a great fucking name and you know the four of them, you know it, it could be a great name, but that's not going to happen. So here's what I think will happen. Mickey James will go and second her husband NWA champion, Nick Aldis. Um, Peyton and Billy could be a package for AEW, but what is against them is they do not have a tag team women's division impact does, but Peyton's husband is Sean Spears and he's an AEW. Um, Chelsea green, I think will go back to impact. Uh, the Laurel van Ness hot mess character was awesome. Um, she was a star at Impact. She was a champion at Impact. Her boyfriend, Matt Cardona, is at Impact. Fiance. And she, Chelsea Green, is already back on Pro Wrestling tea So there is a sell this weekend Do you want to pick up some Chelsea Green merch at Pro Wrestling Tee's. Brian, uh, what do you want to see with some of these
2: talents? So the, the one that... I initially kind of joked about in our text saying like, well, not so much to say about them, but then I thought, hey, maybe there's a fit. I've only seen this team maybe once, maybe twice, Uh, but they're a young up-and-coming team, tag team in AEW, and they got a great name called Bear Country, (laughs) Bear Country. I can see Tucker being the third bear. So you got <laughs> the three little bears thing going on. That's not exactly what I was looking for. But when I, <laughs> when, I when I saw Bear Country, that made me think. It's just because they have similar you know, size and style to how him and Otis were as heavy machinery. So, yeah. you know, it and AEW kind of has, I guess, a little bit of a background with that when they brought in Um, Luke Harper, Brody Lee for the higher power of the Dark Order where you know Luke Harper was this very mysterious dark character that there's a thread that fits for him to be the leader of the Dark Order so maybe you bring in Tucker, again I don't think it's going to get the biggest pop of the night or anything but a guy that has a little bit of TV recognition has a very similar look and style to the Bear Country guys see where it goes Besides Samoa
3: Joe, the one that threw me off guard the most, and I was like, "Oh no," was Billy Kay. I yeah. mean, the the thing was working for me, and I was and Peyton Royce was is just too bad because she put on a great match with Asuka when she w- went out there to prove herself. So I thought <laughs> they would do something with her after WrestleMania, and I guess I was right. They thought they didn't need her anymore. So I would like to see her go to AEW. And I would like to see Billy Kay as well. If not have her go to impact. Cause I think her personality is too big for the Indies. I think she needs
1: to be on TV. I agree. And and speaking of uh, Billy Kay uh, like last year with all those releases, you guys remember Drake Maverick did that video where he got really emotional, cried and he got, ended up bring, coming back. Billy Kay wrote like, I didn't count the words, but it looked like a long, long letter thinking, you know, Vince triple H the fans. And it was, it was, you could tell his heartfelt, you know, she appreciated there, she was there for six years. Uh, versus Tucker, he goes on uh on social media and he puts uh I will tell my story sooner and or something like that. And then he's like taking photos of him smoking a joint and uh he, he's ready to party, I guess, because he has well, no the, on the golf. The, I, I think the yeah. tweet
0: was when life gives you lemons and Maybe he's gonna go work for Minute Maid. Who knows?
1: Well uh he was on the he was on the golf course and his nest tea time was coming up. So <laughs> uh but no, I think um I, I do agree with you, Jay. Peyton Royce. I think it, the only logical thing is AEW. You said Sean Spears, she could be a female uh representation in the pinnacle at some point. She has a she is very talented and she looks like a million bucks. So I think her to AEW is a no no no-brainer i do have one hope at least let samoa joe not necessarily sign with aew go do indie stuff and then come back to wwe at some point and 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 just be like a surprise maybe when audiences come back there was a
2: funny you guys like to see joe in like ring of honor where he did so much stuff in impact where he did so much stuff i'm more excited about those possibilities in AEW, I'd like to see him take it back even farther with ROH and Impact, and see what sort of stuff he can come up with there. I think Joe will be smart enough not to sign a deal right away, yeah. and I
0: think he will bounce around. But uh, you know, only only time will time will tell. But one more uh, Samoa Joe thing: for some reason, Pap's Blue Ribbon tweets today: "We signed Samoa Joe." <laughs> And then Samoa Joe uh, responded, no snitching, trying to work out this 90 days. So I'm guessing uh, they all had 90-day non-competes. Will there be more cuts? Who knows? Who knows? Now, if you uh, listened to our 2.5 episode, the, the Wrestling That WrestleMania Recap podcast, I think is what it was called. Uh, We talked about some of the things that we were going to talk about this week. Now, a lot of that shit went right out the window because of WWE, but I do want to get into Chris Jericho Mm -hmm. uh, showing up on the Broken Skull Sessions. Now, this popped up on Peacock in the morning, which is interesting because it was supposed to come up after WrestleMania. Brian, you were on it early. What did you think of the show?
2: Well, I really enjoyed it. I thought it had the perfect balance of – giving us enough of, at least for me, what I really wanted was to hear about him going to AEW, (sighs) leaving WWE and the thought process and decision-making behind it. A lot of that stuff had been covered before on his own podcast and other interviews that he did, but it was still, you know, kind of, you pinch yourself to go, we're really hearing about this right now on a WWE property about how he was unhappy with WWE, specifically the Kevin Owens feud that was gonna be in the main event uh, and ended up being second on the card so that was very uh, you know it's <laughs> when we talked about it like does Vince not know what aew is I yeah you know, I'm not quite sure um so that that I thought I thought it was a great balance without you know bashing WWE but just speaking plainly about his thoughts and feelings and talking about you know how we like being the the guy who, put aew on his shoulders to start which it really was it was him as the champ him being the the really mainstream name as he mentioned with jim ross and taking it from there so it it hit all the right spots with me uh, as far as that goes and of course all just the the career highlights um those two talk and i'm I'm sure there's probably another hour that was edited out because they could just go on and on great stuff
0: well austin showed up on jericho's podcast this week so definitely go check out that one kevin what did you think of Chris Jericho on the Broken Skull sessions?
1: I, I'll I'll set the the mood a little bit. So Brian and I we drank a lot of beer the night before. We woke up, had breakfast late, and flipped on the TV and and which is flipping on Peacock. It showed him. We're like, oh, this can't be out already. It has to be like a snippet, like two minutes. And when it showed two hours, we were like yep, we know what we're going to be doing for the next two hours. Uh, Kind of just to piggyback off Brian a little bit, the a lot of the stories, right, you knew, but the first 20 minutes was all about AEW and just the thing I took from it, you know, the consistency is he had feelings or uh, feelings that it was the time to move on from, you know, the different steps like ECW to WCW to WWE, leaving WWE to AEW. So it kind of like fit like a nice story and it was a very fast two hours and, and one thing I'll mention that I, that I found earlier today, uh, this, the Stone Cold uh, Sessions extras that didn't make the cut. There's a really, really good story about how he uh, mentioned when him and Ming were on, his, on their way to Acapulco, Mexico, uh, Jericho, like the people in Mexico are like hassling him. Uh, going through all this stuff, and then Jericho's like pushing one of the security guards. Then you, he's telling the story about Ming running down the airport, uh, starting fighting guys. They get put in this airport jail. They get late to the to the uh, promotion. They miss their match, and apparently they rough up the promoter. So there's so much more content that they're they're releasing you know through these extras that you're like oh man, there's so many good stories. And and there's another one where they talk about Eddie for a while and just how amazing he was. It was just, it was a very fast two hours. And it was, it was definitely one of the best ones that that stone cold has put out so far. I think
0: Chris Jericho was on busted open this week. And they said they purposely started the show with AEW because you could, you would have been able to tell if they cut and edited Uh, Jericho and Austin weren't concerned about edits and and things like that and it showed that they were okay with you know having Jericho on and i think this really just shows that there's only one forbidden door and WWE is the one that is going to open or close that because you know they didn't have to do it but they're like yeah let's, let's just do it as one of our old guys uh, Joe, thoughts on uh, Broken Skull sessions?
3: Uh, I thought it was entertaining. Uh, I've read his books, so there wasn't really anything new in there. But it's always great to hear the stories, and especially with Austin involved too with the questions, because when Austin is when he, Austin's guest is told telling him something, I just love seeing Stone Cold's reaction going like. <laughs> Yes, I forgot about that. Oh, (laughs) tell us more. And he did a lot with Jericho, so it made me feel like I was involved in the conversation too. And my wife was working in her office when I was watching it because two hours. She's like, I'm not watching that for two hours. So she was listening to why he left and match two, and she went, "Is match two really that bad?" And then she remembered night one match two was the women's (laughs) turmoil match, (laughs) and night two. So we watch when we watched it on that's sunday funny. night night two was tamina and natty versus uh Naya. <laughs> and she went wrestle i would have left too i mean slot two is a jinx so i she picked up on the
0: second match of mania is the worst match to have well it was a great great episode nobody mm-hmm. thought it would you know nobody saw it coming so that's pretty exciting um, the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania, normally it's a huge ordeal. This year, not so much. Uh, for me, the only highlights were a return of the Viking Raiders, which I love those guys, but that's not really that big of a return. And the surprise, um, the surprising performance of Adnan Vrek, the new voice of Monday Night Raw. I really didn't know too much about this guy. He still works for Major League Baseball Network. And apparently he had to ask his boss for permission to go do this thing in Florida every Monday, which is kind of cool. But I don't know what that's going to mean when uh, they they go on the road. But um, every year they seem to shake up the announced team after Raw. And I kind of like what they did. Obviously, SmackDown airs tonight. But because it was in the Thunderdome, there's no crowd. So I don't think they're going to waste a Becky Lynch return. Or a Ronda Rousey return on a show in the Thunderdome. Uh, I really didn't think there was much else to Raw. It was kind of a letdown. From anybody else, got something on this real quick? I I just
3: want to. I thought it was a typical Raw. It was boring. Uh, It had some good moments. It had some dragged moments, and I I pretty much was like, this isn't Raw after Mania. So next,
2: it dragged. It dragged, and and I'm I'm. You know, I'm an extra nerdy for those sort of things with uh, announcing change. Um, I got love for Tom Phillips. He's a Penn State grad, just like myself. Um, so he he deserves better than 205 live. No one's watching that shit. No one's watching it. So I, I, oh, I, 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 no, I just <laughs> so we'll see. Like you know, uh, Jay, you pointed out some of the errors that uh, Adnan Verk made, and I'm just you know, it, it's a it's week one. You know, if all of us, when we were broadcasters, were judged solely on our first day on the job, none of us would have had a job on day two. So we'll give them some slack. But I was (laughs) wasn't thrilled with night one. I'll tell you that.
0: Uh, Kevin, real quick, and we'll move
1: on. I thought I thought the Charlotte promo was strong. Uh, That was a perfect reason why Raw should not be three hours. Uh, It 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 just it was boring especially when one of the Viking Raiders was in the Andre battle Royal the next Friday with all the other, you know, low to mid, mid-level talent. And then he makes the return, you know,
0: no, or, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. Ivar I wasn't in the, Ivar wasn't in the battle Royal.
1: No, his Eric his, was Eric, Eric was that, No, that's what I mean. The one, one of the Viking Raiders were, and then they both made, uh, you know, the, the return on Monday night. I I've never been the biggest fan of them since they moved up to raw anyway. Um, it's nice to see them back to show some competition, but yeah, just overall, I know, uh, um, part of retribution or the guys formerly in retribution, maybe joining the hurt business could be kind of cool. Uh, but overall, yeah, kind of a, kind of a bummer.
0: Yeah. I, um, I enjoyed Charlotte. I think that this, this killer attitude, uh, I think it could be something, it could be fun. She beats the shit out of Oscar. And, uh, Ripley so I was definitely down for that Tuesday night was NXT the first Tuesday night NXT a over now before I even I, I have this written down and I know that it's popular to do this but we're not going to get into this very often over 800,000 viewers with a 0.22 rating <laughs> and uh, the viewership was higher than the first night of stand and deliver which is crazy. Uh, the other thing from NXT was Frankie Monet's debut, which Taya Valkyrie, uh, John Morrison's wife. And obviously, and if anybody says this is not the coolest thing ever, that moment when Gonzalez, Belair and Ripley all were on with the belt, that was by far the
2: coolest thing from
0: tv wrestling this week
2: you think that's triple h's proud papa moment oh yeah you know? i think there is a photo of the
0: four of them i
3: believe it
2: popped sure. up so yeah,
0: like this and the he should have
3: <laughs>
1: came out and pointed next to him yeah. <laughs> well i'll tell you this those are three women i would not want to get in a fight with because all three of them could kick my ass
0: if it was staged right
1: no, in real life. <laughs> real oh,
0: okay. That's okay. And dynamite, nothing really that mm-hmm. overwhelming. I think the Mike Tyson thing is cool, but I feel like it would be better if it was an MMA fighter. Now, when Tyson came out earlier this, la- this year to, to go against Jericho, he had a bunch of UFC fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they would be better if they could have signed someone from the UFC to do this. Um, but unfortunately you know tnt has that deal where they're showing one uh championship uh the fighting from uh from japan after um, after uh dynamite so i don't think we'll see any ufc guys maybe that's why there was no ufc fighters but dynamite thoughts joe we'll
3: start with you uh i did enjoy
0: when mjf
3: uh, went up to tyson and said my dad said you were a big deal so that was kind of like <laughs> his uh, young arrogance of it uh i i Kind of just a regular episode. It's the funny thing is, this was the first episode since like the winter one when Sting debuted where I watched it from beginning to end because I'm used to skipping and flipping channels. Oh, yeah. Okay. I watched it from beginning to end, and I was just like, maybe it was because they weren't live. Because that one was pre-taped, apparently. It was. Oh, I didn't know that. I wasn't so aware that, maybe yeah. it was because of that. It was just felt like just a regular show. I mean, it was still good. It was entertaining. I liked the main event, Darby and uh, Matt Hardy, and uh, I did like the. Young Bucks, Omega, and Good Brothers leaving the arena and basically uh, talking trash to everyone saying, you wanted us back. Well, now we are, so deal with it. So that's what I took out of it. Average show, but it was the first one I watched from beginning to end since December.
2: Uh,
0: Brian, we'll go to you.
2: It was really, like you said, Joe, it was a tape show. And I can tell the difference because you don't see any crowd shots. You know, you see the, the wrestler standing around ringside. Is that quote unquote crowd, but you don't see any crowd shots at the limited crowd that they have there at Daly's place. So it, it automatically that kind of like takes it down for me for whatever reason. It's, it's, it's a little silly because it's not like I saw spoilers or anything. Um, but yeah, it, it was fine. The the opening match with uh, the bucks and, um yeah death triangle I mean that was great it was completely over the top like they they usually do so they delivered and I I love the finish of pulling off uh, Ray Phoenix's mask so good stuff it's good for the Bucks who've been kind of teetering over the last couple of months where like they've showed heel tendencies like they were kicking Alex Marvez and then like a week later they were kind of good guys again and so it looks like we, we picked a firm direction when they Kicked Moxley last week. So I'm glad we're having a little bit more focus. Um, so that was good. And I, I'm excited because one guy that I was just thinking about that I really hadn't seen in action and felt like a long time. And uh, I'm like you, Joe, I was a back and forth guy with NXT. And, and frankly, i watched them more than AEW. Uh, Will Hobbs getting involved. Had seen him in a minute and they set up him and Christian last night or on Wednesday night, excuse me. Mm. So that was good. I'm like, okay, yeah, here's a guy who to me felt like was getting lost in the shuffle of everything. Um, so curious to see what he can do with, uh, with Christian in the next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm presuming.
0: The, uh, the boxer, Anthony, Gogo, with, uh, with, uh, QT in the factory. Um, you know, they made such a big deal. I think if they wanted to give this guy the rub, put him in something with Tyson, even if it's just in passing. And of course, you know, this is the first one without NXT competition. And this is the last time we will talk ratings and numbers and viewers here. Uh, 1.2 million viewers with uh, 1849, a .44 rating. So uh, congrats to those guys. Um, You know, the, the releases today kind of deflated. I had a bunch more, but we have to get to the main event, but, uh, yeah, not uh, for WrestleMania week. And I don't know if maybe it's just overkill because we literally have been watching wrestling every day for what feels like 10 days. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I may not watch SmackDown tonight. I may wait until like the weekend cause I need a break, but what is not a break is the main event. It's known as the five count. Podcast presents the Five Count. Three, two, three, four, five. This week's Five Count is our five favorite storylines ever. And since Brian made a point to say, well, you know, going last
2: last week, <laughs>
0: we'll let Brian go first with his
2: five count favorite storyline. Thank you, kind sir. Thank you. I, I love and respect you. Uh, my number five is Bret Hart versus America. This feud was so fun and it started in the summer of 97. Um, basically, I remember the starting and thinking, but... We in the U.S., we get along with Canada good. I go to Niagara Falls all the time. You guys, when you were Detroit area residents before moving to Parts Unknown, always going to Windsor, right? Pardon? So, But <laughs> you wouldn't know it, though, by judging from the crowd reaction in this feud. So after after Bret Hart uh, has the big t- turn with Austin at Mania 13, he firmly established himself as a heel. He reforms the Hart Foundation mm. with – his brother Owen with Bulldog with uh, Anvil Neidhart and Brian Pillman. And he would cut these anti-American promos that would get such huge heat. He said uh, Pittsburgh deserved an enema, Jay. I remember that one. He d- said Pittsburgh deserved an enema. And he talked about how in Canada, they don't shoot shoot each other on every street corner. So a lot of like, whoa, type of uh, comments in these, uh, these promos. So he'd feud with like mainly Stone Cold, but also Goldust, the LOD, Shamrock, Taker, Shawn Michaels, of course. And if you want to watch a match with a crowd that's invested in your house, Canadian Stampede in Calgary, the backyard of the Hearts, it's a 10-man tag. It's Austin Goldust, LOD, Shamrock, flag match. They got the Canadian flag and the U.S. flag against the Heart Foundation. That's a hot crowd. And the two things that I really love about this feud – where number one, Brett didn't really change character. He was the same guy. It was the crowd, the crowd that was embracing the attitude era that turned on him. Beautiful stuff. And number two, it depended on where Monday Night Raw was being held. If Raw was being held in the US, the heels were the Hart Foundation and Bret Hart. But if Raw was held in Toronto it's complete opposite. And I'd never seen that before that depending on where the location was, the, the characters had to switch from baby face to heel. And so it was great. It was a great run. It ended of course with the Montreal screw job, but that made my number five, my number four, CM Punk leaving the WWE. We talked about this in our WrestleMania preview about our favorite main or excuse me. No, in our uh, favorite matches, Uh, episode so uh, punk as you know leader of the new nexus he cuts the infamous pipe bomb never before anybody bashed the company saying things like i i want this company to be better when vince is dead but it'll be run by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law extra point for doofus by the way that's that's a word that needs to come back he shouts out ring of honor he shouts out new japan Eventually his mic gets cut off the air and we're all wondering, was that a real shoot? What is this? And of course the story continues with he's going to have one match with Cena for the title in his hometown and his contract is expiring at midnight. And there's great p- promos leading into this feud with him and, and Vince when they're trying to sign him to a contract punk brings up, bringing back the ice cream bar <laughs> out for that. And him and Cena had some great back and forth. He um, ends up telling Cena that Cena's become everything that he hates. He's a dynasty. He's the New York Yankees. And Cena being a Massachusetts guy, you don't say that. So, of course, it leads to money in the bank. We've talked about it over and over again, but it, it plays so well with him leaving through the crowd after winning the belt. He's not on raw the next night. They held like a, maybe a mini tournament. I don't remember about to be who would be the next champion. And it was the following week that punk came out uh, with Call to personality and basically held up the title and said, no, no, I'm right here. I'm the real champ. That's my number four putting punk uh, into a superstar for sure. My number three, Austin versus Vince. So leading up to, and maybe after the Montreal screw job, that one, it was really shared publicly on TV that Vince is the owner of the WWF and not just some dorky commentator where they make fun of his hair, right? So Austin wins the title at Mania 14. The next night, Vince tries to get Austin to kind of just knock off the beer drinking, get a little more corporate image, and it doesn't work. And that really kicks off the feud. There, there's just so many moments to dig into, um, We've got the Zamboni to the ring. We've got the beer truck. We've got Bang 316 with the squirt gun, Bedpan McMahon. It goes on and on. This feud really goes from WrestleMania 14 to WrestleMania 17. And it just was the biggest boom in the wrestling business. Changed the business completely. And anybody who had the same feelings of, man, I hate my boss related to this story. That's my number three. My number two, boy, do I love this one. And I highly, highly doubt either. any of you guys will have this one. This is Macho Man, Mr. Perfect, Ric Flair, and Bobby Heenan. This is an emergency angle that was accomplished in one night at WWF Primetime Wrestling. Survivor Series 92 was going to be Macho Man and the Ultimate Warrior, the Ultimate Maniacs, fellas, all right? However, the Warrior was fired over a steroid test. So on an evening of primetime wrestling, the macho man he's interviewed via satellite, Bobby Heenan and, and uh, perfect are there with Vince and hillbilly, Jim and slick. Cause it's that panel edition of primetime that they would have. And they ask about macho and say, macho, do you have a new partner in mind? And he starts dropping hints and he goes, one might say, I've got an idea to have a perfect partner. And they're like, what? Now, Perfect at the time, he is the executive consultant for Ric Flair. And Heenan's the manager, right? So they laugh. They're like, oh, you're sure, Macho. I'll be right on there. But as the show goes on, Macho does like challenging his manhood, saying like, really, you're not going to step up? Why are you walking in Ric Flair's shadow? I thought you were Mr. Perfect. And you see Perfect start to like, yeah you got a point. And Heenan's trying to keep him in line saying like, you know, you work for me, you work for flair. Think of all the limousines and the the jet flying, everything you're doing, basically telling perfect, stay in your lane. Right. Finally, it's decision time at the end of the show. Perfect stands up. He says he's sick of tired of everyone making decisions for him. He accepts macho man's offer. Heenan gets up slaps Perfect across the face, which was like the greatest slap in wrestling history. Perfect grabs him by the collar. Heenan goes to his knees, begs for mercy, saying, please don't leave us. Please, please, please. Perfect dumps a pitcher of water on Heenan's head, and the match is saved, just like that uh, a heel turn to a face turn in one episode that was done absolutely perfect under emergency circumstances. And we get... and perfect versus flair and razor at the survivor series that's my number two i love that one uh my number one it's the nwo versus wcw and sting uh from the moment razor ramon jumped in the ring in the middle of the match he's got the glorious denim jean jacket on he's got the jeans and he said those words <laughs> you know who i am but you don't know why i'm here Everybody was captivated. It captivated me. Paul Nash, of course, joins in. And then, of course, Hulk with the heel turn for Hollywood. Um, it set off the highest success in the wrestling industry. We all thought they were legit WWF guys invading, going to war with WCW. And then, of course, it just steamrolled. I mean, the theme music was great. The, the vignettes with the black and white imagery, uh, you know, For Life, Too Sweet, The Wolf Pack, Hand Signal, everything. All of that was amazing. And then, of course, you've got the recruitment of Sting. They come up with the fake Sting, which caused the real Sting to cut cut a promo with his back turned to the hard camera. You don't see that. But he was doing that to show that the fans turned their back on Sting, believing that he had joined the NWO. Of course, he goes into the rafters. He becomes the Crow Sting. And it all goes great until Starcade 97. And that's where my part of this storyline ends. But up until then, mwah, perfect, number one, NWO versus WCW Instinct. You know, it's funny. Uh, when
0: I lived in Virginia, I had to do a, a a radio thing. at a. It was like a Night of the Legends wrestling show. And on the card was... David Flair and NWO sting. Uh, led, I, I don't know. NWO sting always made me laugh. Now those are, those are some great ones. Um, we'll go to Kevin with your five count favorite storylines.
1: One, one Brian, that was amazing. Uh, your in depth uh, analysis. Uh, wow. It was a slow
2: work week. What can I say? <laughs> no, it
1: was, it was, it was awesome. uh. uh by the way, I don't think we've uh, said Mr. Perfect at least 15 times. So that's, that's like a record. We need to tally. Right. Uh,
3: uh,
1: number five, I, I just was thinking about today. Some uh, I have different reasons, you know, growing up. Some just made me laugh. One, you guys are going to uh, probably just be like, really? Are you, are you serious? Number five on here. uh not necessarily one of the best storylines, just one that I have always was always entertained. You're going to love it or hate it is when Michael Cole was the heel announcer for that (laughs) long period. That was when legitimately he was rude, such a dickhead. He was in the Pope. Like,
2: (laughs) Oh oh my God.
1: And, and, and it was just so good. And and him and Lawler just going back and forth, you know, and having that match at Mania uh, in, in the shenanigans, you know, if that ended it. But it was so entertaining. And I love or hate Michael Cole. uh, It was brilliant. It was it was absolutely amazing stuff just from him doing during his heel Cole, heel Cole run. Number four. It's the tail end to Brian's number five. He ended with you know the uh, Brett ver, or Brett versus America with the Montreal screw job. I enjoyed, uh, by the way, Montreal uh, screw job was a work. Uh, after that, when Vince did the Brett screw Brett, no, it wasn't, and then and then, when, then that kind of turned Vince. Is kind of you know that authoritative figure that you know ooh, no one likes the boss. So it kind of kind of catapulted Vince into that heel mode of Mr. Um, McMahon. He became yeah, Mr. Mr. McMahon. McMahon and that people, you know, you love to hate, or you just hated seeing him on screen. So I like that transition. And you know, I'm I'm a big Brett guy. And in that whole thing, just sitting down in that interview, and he's like, Brett screwed Brett in all the aftermath that came out of there, you know. Shit, he ran with uh, uh Mr. McMahon for for decades after. Number three, uh mine was also in WCW. Goldberg's beginning of the streak. I I loved at the point, you know, that's when you know, flipping back and forth between Raw and WCW, his very first match against Hugh Morris. Not the best technical match, but it but it looked made him look good. The next 172 matches matches until he goes 173-0. Not the best technical matches, but they still were fun. Uh, you know, and then he lost that match at Starcade against Nash. Uh, there's nothing hotter or you know, organically uh made in in the wrestling industry than Goldberg's streak and uh if you guys were big fans of it or not, I didn't own a t-shirt or anything. It's just funny when I think about Goldberg then Loved it, right? Hottest thing ever. Now Goldberg coming back. Now I'm like, go away, go away. Your, your streak on the other side just keeps growing with those losses. And he looks absolutely atrocious in the ring. Number two, this is when uh, I was 10 years old and I was thinking, you know, it's wrestling real at that point. And at that point I still thought it was um, Jake, the snake versus macho man their, their entire uh, almost year long feud. And one of the biggest points were two of two points where macho, you know, Miss Elizabeth got married and they're doing their reception and, you know, you see all the wrestlers like dancing and having fun and with the uh, Miss Elizabeth opens up one of the boxes and the snake comes out, you know, and then you see Jake as a 10 year old. It, it just, it kind of was like, whoa, this is is pretty scary. Why is there a snake in the box? And then, of course, you know, uh, during a match they had uh, Jake, you know, his python bites Macho on the arm. I think that might have been a Saturday Night main event. Um, Just I I loved everything from those guys. I was a big Jake guy and, of course, Macho, uh, one of my all-time favorites. Just I was trying to think of around my decades of watching wrestling, and, and that one always comes back to me. Uh, and then number one, uh, I did, I was so conflicted on this one going back and forth, which one I wanted as my number one and Brian actually had it, I think is his number one of his on the list and also the NWO. So I was tied between CM Punk and CM Punk's pipe bomb and NWO but one that did not make the the top five was CM Punk. Uh I loved it, but with that NWO coming in, that that also made my number one spot. Uh kind of to what Brian mentioned, you know, Scott Hall hitting the ring, uh invading. And then you see, oh, I'm gonna bring a friend. And then, you know, Scott Hall's messing with Eric Bischoff. And that's when Bischoff, you know, was was getting into his own with talking, and it's so cheesy and hot skulls, you know, pointing backwards, and then you pan up and you see Nash and I love it where he's like WCW this is where the big boys play but that's the thing we're not here to play and you know you just watch it continuously and it's like doesn't get old never gets old um and then you know if Hogan and uh Horace Hogan and other Hogans uh all joining but that also made my uh top five. So that is my rundown.
0: That's uh, it was another great five. I, another great five. I, I loved the Goldberg streak. I almost put it on my list, but I didn't um, because it, it just came to a shocking cl- conclusion. Nobody. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me a second. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> whoops. I thought I was going to have to explain it. Uh, you stunned us on that. Sorry,
2: I'm a little buzzed from these beers.
1: (laughs) Uh, Go ahead,
0: Joe.
3: (laughs) All right. um, I just, going back to the whole Kevin Nash thing, it just always makes me laugh that he said uh, play was an adjective. It's like, no, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Sid has half the brains he has, so whatever.
2: (laughs) Uh,
3: My number five is one of the best women's stories In recent memory, and it was Trish and Mickey James. When Mickey James first came in, when Mickey was the obsessed fan of Trish, and was just getting like the stalker ass role. And what makes that story great was the fact that they had such a good match at WrestleMania. But then it it was one of those matches where you know they do the backlash the next month, and they're like the story must continue. But it continued with. Trish turning the table on Mickey and coming out to Mickey's music, skipping to the ring, wearing the Brown wig and starting to stalk Mickey James. And she turned the tables on her and outsmarted her for her big uh, victory back. But yeah, Trish and Mickey, that was a really good story for the fact that around the time they weren't really giving women anything. And it was one of the more entertaining storylines and matches during that era. So definitely belongs in a top five for Storylines, number four. This was mentioned already both times with the whole NWO, but I'm going with just a small part of an NWO uh, feud, and it was Savage versus Diamond Dallas Page.
2: Oh, okay, okay.
3: It all started with DDP was the first guy to turn down the NWO, and that was huge when he hit when he accepted the shirt and then gave. Scott hauled the diamond cutter, and went into the crowd wearing the NWO shirt, and they're just all going nuts for him. And then who goes after him? This just Savage. And Savage bringing up how Kimberly posed for Playboy, and he was just tearing down Paige the whole time. And what did he do? He put him over. He took the diamond cutter. And DDP ended up becoming like the people's champ after that, thanks to Savage, but also became like the star that he ended up becoming in WCW. What made that story great for me was a couple years later when the Wolfpack started and they were recruiting the, the baby faces and Nash goes, okay, we, we know one guy we want in and he gives the diamond cutter sign and it was almost unanimous and they all looked at Savage and he went, nope. So Savage was still like, not, he was playing it off. Like, I don't want him in here. So that's my number four, DDP versus the NWO, Savage especially, but that was a great one. And now for the top three. Number three, because it was like one of those storylines where it went on for months, but unfortunately, the one of the protagonists was injured the whole time, and they still had to make it work. Austin versus HBK going into WrestleMania 14. Like, they included... Tyson in the mix and the, like the whole story with Tyson going to DX. I mean, I know it's still being played now, some 24 years later, but um, that was a good storyline because you, you knew Austin was going to win, but then you had that little glimmer of when Sean kept going, uh HBK lays down for nobody. And this was right off the screw job. So you're thinking, well, maybe he's not going to, maybe he's going to refuse to. And having Tyson at ringside just made it more like, I can't wait to see how this explodes. And that pretty much, like we say that the Montreal screw job was like, you know, started the attitude era. This was the powder keg that blew it up into a different atmosphere. Was that storyline, that feud. So that was my number three. Number two, it was already mentioned, so I'm not going to go much into it. Austin versus McMahon. You guys already said it. Done. moving on. Number one, long-term storytelling at its finest, 1988 to 1989, the mega powers explode. I thought about that one. The slow burn of, you know, Hogan came out and stole the spotlight at WrestleMania four from Savage. And then they, be, they did their slow handshake and Saturday night's main event before WrestleMania four. And then they became the mega powers, but you see Hogan's the one who's lifting Liz up and Savage is starting to notice it. And in a way, how is Savage the bad guy in that story? Like we're adults now. How is Savage the heel when Hogan's the one who's doing all the shady stuff to his uh, wife? Like if well, that Hogan was happening jealous with
2: jealous eyes,
3: at yeah, least look let's at yeah, lust it in up. your eyes brother they're, lust they're, in, they're. in your eyes don't need the pukers never wanted them never needed them like <laughs> it was perfect and it That's took scary. over a year to build up like it started on saturday night's main event it ended like the turn ended at saturday night's main event about a year to the date and then they had the build to the automatic money shot M- money, automatic money build of. <laughs>
2: Valvina "I missed that episode." Valvina <laughs> has "Entered the storyline." That was interesting. <laughs> yes, I know <laughs> the the the
3: money matchup. I mean, the only thing that makes me upset about it, kind of like when you said, Brian, this sting versus uh nwo hogan i didn't like the ending i being a savage guy i wanted savage to win sure sure. and i knew it wasn't going to happen even at 10 years old but yeah that's number one mega powers explode the slow build everything about it savage on top of his game
0: another great five uh kevin or uh, not kevin brian you had something you wanted to say
2: no, I'm good. I just oh, great I stuff. good. That, was, that was in my consideration of the honorable mention. Great job, Jeff.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So for mine, uh, number five is the evolution of
2: Batista. Batista
0: wins the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Evolution's trying yeah. to get him to go to SmackDown to go against JBL. And, uh, you know, Dave Batista has the clipboard, and it looks like he's about to sign. He would give him the thumbs up and then the thumbs down. And he yeah. uh, eventually uh, – Beat Triple H at WrestleMania for his first world title. Uh, Number four, CM Punk against Jeff Hardy. Straight Edge Messiah against the charismatic Enigma. Now, Jeff Hardy had won the title from Edge in a ladder match. CM Punk was Mr. Money in the Bank, so he came out and cashed in. Uh, But the fans took it as he stole the title because Hardy was such a fan favorite. Punk called them hypocrites by saying, well, I did this last year to Edge, and you guys loved it. What's the difference? And then it got a little weird. Um, WWE exploited all of Jeff Hardy's alcohol and drug problems. Um, I believe there were some segments where Punk was either pouring liquor on Jeff Hardy or trying to get him to do, like, breathalyzer tests and stuff like that. But Good times. <laughs> uh, there's a lot more to it. But I just think that that was the beginning of heel. CM Punk, which was outstanding. Number three, Edge, Lita, and Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy and Lita were dating, and then Matt was out with injury, so she started riding uh, with Edge from town to town, which then led to them hooking up and dating. And um, at the when Matt Hardy found out, he was posting YouTube videos before that was like a thing. Like he was really at the forefront of using social media to advance well, I mean, I guess advance the storyline, but also put the dirt out there of what was going on. And, uh, one of my favorite things was edge and Lita were on live wire and Matt Hardy called it. Uh, then of course, Matt Hardy ended up getting fired, which then caused the fans to just lose their shit. anytime time edge and Lita showed up on camera, uh, because of that WWE knew they had money they hired Matt Hardy back and somehow i mean i guess it just you're, you know it, for for those in the business you know you got to be professional regardless of the situation because you could potentially kill someone well edge and matt hardy did business matt hardy was jumping the barrier before he was you know before he was re- rehired um and one of the funnier lines was uh Edge to Hardy. Go back to the indies, asshole, because Hardy was doing a lot of local indies because obviously, you know, he wasn't under contract or even if he was under contract, he was doing these indie shots to further the storyline. Now, it was a, an awful situation, but it gave birth to uh, Kevin's favorite wrestler in 2005, the rated R superstar, Edge, and who could forget the live Sex celebration, oh, oh. yeah, that was a good time.
2: Now Venus reference again. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> so number two, we go back to nineteen eighty four. Kevin, you weren't even born yet, were you?
1: I was three. Jesus. Um,
0: <laughs> so nowadays, <You're> right, brother. <laughs> nowadays, we uh, we have a perhaps a kayfabe hatred for green Kool-Aid shirt guy.
2: <laughs> that but oh in no, 19- ain't, okay. ain't okay. It was a shoot, brother. <laughs> That's a shoot. Brother. I'm so disappointed to see the first Mania fans are back, and there's that a-hole sitting in the front row. <laughs> God damn, I was fired up. So in
0: 1984,
2: <laughs> Jim Morris,
0: Jim Morris appeared as a fan in the crowd, uh, known by his, his, uh, the locals as Big Jim, Uh, sat in the front row, got on TV, and then decided he wanted to become a wrestler. And uh, he appeared on Piper's Pit. Piper offered to train him, but he said, no, I'm going to get trained by Hulk Hogan. A series of vignettes aired on TV uh, in the early weeks of 1985. And uh, this introduced the character of Hillbilly Jim. (laughs) As a kid... Obviously, I just thought it was real. Like a fan gets to go into the ring and get trained by Hulk Hogan. Um, he was from Mudlick, Kentucky. Kevin, you lived in Kentucky. Were you from Mudlick? Uh
1: nope. Is that a real place? Nope. Oh, <laughs> maybe.
0: Oh, but uh, yeah, the the Hillbilly Jim saga was my favorite. Uh, like I said, I was eight years old. And I just thought it was the coolest thing that a fan got to go into the ring and, you know, be friends with Hulk Hogan. Uh, but the number one uh, for the five count this week for me is triple H forming his own DX army. That's good. Sean, one. Sean lost the title to Austin at 14 mania 14. He was hurt. He had to go away for a while. And the next night, triple H just came out like fucking guns blazing. Sean dropped the ball. I'll start my own army. And when you start an army, who do you call? Your blood, your family. And out comes Sean Waltman, who had just been fired from WCW. He ripped into Bischoff. He ripped into Hulk Hogan. And uh the DX army was completed later that night when the New Age Outlaws joined uh Triple H and X Pac to perform. Or to be uh, the the group known as DX, and I think that is the best version of DX. I mean, I love Triple H and Sean and China, but I really feel like that one is the one. Like when people say DX, those are the that's the four or five with China Agreed. that uh, count. That I that that count. So that's my five count. Um, I was gonna mention the Mickey James Trish Stratus. Um, there is a new series on Peacock WWE network called Timeline. And they did that they did the, the Mickey James storyline and I forgot mm-hmm. all the insanity that was on there. The the you know the ass cheeks hanging out of of every female competitor. <laughs> yeah. But they one thing they left out. And uh-huh. I think I, know I, I mean we all know what. Yeah you know, the, 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 the tongue through the V fingers. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. They left that out of the yeah. storyline, but they left some of the kissing. They left a lot of the groping and the hugging, but and, you know, Mickey James was a psycho, but that was one of my favorites, but um, I left it out. But it, it was uh, go check out timeline on uh, the WWE network on there's, Pete. There's Chuck.
2: just no room. There's no room for you to include that when you've got hillbilly Jim's creation, <laughs> Who could don't hate.
0: thats that in?
2: Don't, don't hate on Hillbilly Jim. <laughs> that was awesome. No, oh, I love don't, it. I love don't, it. Don't, don't,
0: don't hate. And three, hey, don't go messing with the
2: country two, boy. One, he just finished his Hall of Fame speech. All right, good job, Jim. Good job.
1: Jay, Jay in honor of your number two, I'm going to have my Hillbilly Jim LJN figure in the background next week's podcast. Oh, yeah.
2: Don't go mess with the country boy.
0: You said it, Joe. You guys are all dicks. Sorry. I love
1: it. Shoot, we're talking about dicks, peacock, money shots. Speaking Uh,
2: of the live sex celebration, yes.
0: (laughs) Who made your five count? Let us know on social media using the hashtag TWP five count. I was going to say something there, but I forgot what I was about to say. Uh, don't actually into-
1: boobs or
0: no dead. stop it stop it i'm trying to be a professional um follow the show on social media at that Russell pod uh facebook twitter instagram we're on youtube as well where you can watch the video version of this podcast uh that'll be up next week uh buy a shirt at whatamaneuver.next uh, thanks to Kevin, Joe, Brian. We are Wasted Dangerous, Darren, and you for listening. We'll talk to you next time on That Wrestling Podcast because we are out of time. Thanks for listening. Follow That wrestle pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. One, two, three, that's it!